Hello there, I'm Minister Paula Cornett. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast, Revelations from the Heart. I am so excited about what the Lord has in store for you today, and I hope that you will be encouraged by today's message. I'd love to stay connected with you online. You can go to my website at www.paulacornett.weebly.com. Well, grab your Bible and let's get into today's episode. Hello, friend. Have you ever felt like life has just knocked you down? Or maybe you feel like that you've dealt with situations in your life that seem, or you're dealing with situations even in your life that seem like they're dead. Your marriage may seem like it's dead. Your friendships may seem like they're dead. You may have been knocked down in your career or your ministry or your finances may seem dead or have taken a hit that has just knocked you down. You may even have had that hit in your physical body. Sometimes life can be so overwhelming and we experience situations that just seem to knock us down. Well, I have good news for you today, my friend. If you're in Christ, the resurrection power of Jesus lives on the inside of you. And today in episode number eight, we're going to learn about the resurrection power of Jesus. Now, the last couple of times I have failed to mention the episode number, so I apologize for that. I hope from here on out, I'll be able to remember. I must have been super excited about teaching that particular lesson, but I sure did forget. But we are on episode number eight, and we are on the fifth foundational uh, principle. And if you've been following along with me, I've been teaching um, a series about the six foundations of faith and have been encouraging each and every one of you that we as believers must know these and that is so essential for us to know these we've been in the book of hebrews chapter six in fact the writer of hebrews he tells them that you know you guys should know this stuff so well that you should be spiritual rabbis yourself and this group of people they have been saved for decades and they still did not know the basics and so the writer of hebrews begins to lay out these um six foundations of our faith and i've been going and hitting them uh, in depth and if you uh, we're going to do a, a little review but to hear each and every one that we've already done you'll have to go back to the archives and listen to those and I suggest that you that you do so we have to remember that just as a house is built it must have a firm foundation if it's going to stand if it's going to last that likewise we as believers must be built spiritually we must be established on a firm foundation of spiritual principles and when we're built on a firm foundation You'll be able to discern what's right from wrong. Uh, when you're built on a firm foundation, it will elevate you to another level. And you'll be able to make wise spiritual conclusions. So that means that as society is pushing more and more away from the things of God and the teachings of Scripture, that even though in society it may seem to be played out uh, in the kingdom and in God, his rules don't change. He says that in his word that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So like I said, we've been in Hebrews chapter 6. We've been looking at verses 1 and 2. And let's just review really quick. I always love to review because in reviewing, you kind of see what you learn. And the more you hear something, the more that you retain it. I know for me, this has been just like a refresher for me, um, even as I've been studying these and just been looking over these again. In fact, I was looking through my notes um, the other day, and as I was looking through them, I saw from like 2014 that I was teaching from this particular 
text, but I didn't have the revelation that I have now. And so God is so amazing and he is so big and his revelation is so vast that he cannot give us all at one time, but that he gives it to us little by little by little. And so you can look at the same portion of scripture in a different in a few years later and get something different out of it than you did before. And we will never stop learning because God is just that big. Even when we reach heaven, we're still going to be learning about the things of God. So Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Let me start right there and let's look at this word perfection in the Greek. It's the word teleates, and it is a moving upward into a higher dimension. It pictures a student passing from one grade to the next grade. I know one thing that students rejoice in is when they pass to the next grade. You don't want to repeat the same grade again, even though sometimes people have to. But you want to be moving forward because God wants us to keep growing. He doesn't want us to be stagnant. Or he doesn't want us to stay at the same level. He wants us to keep growing. God wants to elevate you to the next level. And he can't do that until you pass certain things. So with Christ, with God, you're going to just keep taking that test until you finally finally pass it now as we look here it says uh gives us the first foundation which is it says not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and remember this word foundation watch this is the word thamelios i finally got it right i finally got it right is the greek word thamelios and when you compound it's compounded of two words and when you compound the two words together, it means something that's set in stone. So repentance is so very important that it must be set in stone in your life. That the Bible tells us in Acts, I believe it's 1730, that all men everywhere must repent. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter what language that you speak, what color your skin is. But all men everywhere, we all have to do this, must repent. And that repentance is the gateway into heaven. All right, that we have to repent. We learned that repentance is a decision and that the fruit of repentance is going to be change in behavior. And I know that sometimes we don't hear about repentance a lot, but my friend, just always know and remember this, that repentance is still key in the kingdom, that God still requires you to repent. So you want to make sure that you do that and that you have a repentant heart uh, for whatever you do. This brings us to our second foundation, which is faith toward God. And if we remember that, that's the Greek word, pastistes epitheon. And it's a faith that's not standing still or it's not a faith that's static, but rather this faith is moving and it's being projected towards something. The word epi means upon and theon means God. So this faith is projected toward God. It's the picture of complete trust. It depicts no self-reliance, a faith that rests only on God and God alone. So if you're trusting in your good works, if you're trusting in yourself, if you're trusting in your mother, your father, your children, your husband, your wife, in your good deeds, that's not going to make it. That's not going to get you your way in. The only way that you're going to make it into heaven is that you have to first repent and then you have to put your trust in Jesus Christ's blood and his blood alone. So it's so very key and so very paramount to remember and to know that, that your faith must be in Christ must be in God. Remember, I gave the example of when you lie down at night, you don't go and inspect your bed to make sure that it's going to hold you. You just jump on in that bed and by faith, you know that it's not going to cave in or that it's not going to just collapse. And so the same is true that we have to have a trust like that 
in God, that my salvation is in Christ and in Christ's blood alone and not in anything that I could do because I, we never can be good enough. We never could do enough good to get God's approval, but it's because of what Jesus did. Jesus paid it all. This brings us to the third one, which was baptisms. And we also want to note that it is not singular, but that it is plural, that there are three baptisms that take place that scripture talks about. One is done at the moment of salvation, is done by the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural happening. Only thing that you have to do is repent. Once you repent, is activating. You are baptized into the body of Christ. And the other two are not essential for salvation, but they are definitely those that will help you out. Um, the, the second one is done by Jesus, and that is the baptism into the power of God or into the Holy Spirit, which will be evidenced by speaking in tongues. You say, well, I don't speak in tongues, and I, well, you don't have this power. And if you don't have this power, it doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means you don't have this power. And in order to do the work for God, you got to have uh, this power. And the last one is probably the one we're most familiar with, which is uh, the baptism by believers, and that is a ba water baptism. And although it's not essential for salvation, but it is essential for obedience. All right. So God wants you to have all three, just like when you get a brownie uh, from the pan. I don't know about you, but when I get my brownie, I want all of it. I don't want any of it, any of the crumbs to stay in my little square, but I want all of that square. And the same is true for these baptisms. I have them all, have had them, I want them all and have them all. And so God wants you to have all three of these, which brings us to the see first fourth i think was it the fourth one uh the fourth foundation which was one that seems kind of out of place it doesn't seem like it would have that much importance but we learned last week that when we talked about laying on of hands how important that that actually is and that god uses our hands as instruments okay god uses our hands as instruments to pass along power to pass along gifts to pass along authority and blessing. We've seen from the Old Testament scripture how Isaac uh, blessed Jacob and then how Jacob turned around and blessed his grandsons. They laid their hands upon them and they received the blessing. It wasn't activated till their hands were laid upon them. How Aaron and his sons were um, hands were laid upon them and the call of God was acknowledged and it was also it was awakened. And we also looked at the life of Moses and how he imparted spiritual authority to Joshua. He laid his hands on them. And then uh, hands was laid on by Jesus. By so many people. Uh, we covered a few. But there was countless, countless times. That Jesus was always laying his hands upon people. We see that as he would lay his hands on people. Blinded eyes got opened. Healing was uh, released. Encouragement uh, flowed. So power flows through the hands. And God wants to use your hands and so god wants power uh in the church we also saw from uh, the book of acts how the early believers how the early church they laid their hands apostles they laid their hands on the deacons to spiritually equip and to give an impartation and once they laid their hands on them it was activated there were several times where we saw that the laying on the hands people received the holy spirit and um the, the power of the holy spirit so Laying on our hands is, is powerful. It's a powerful thing uh, that, that God wants us as believers to do and to know that it's one of our doctrines and, and that he wants us to lay our hands upon people. He wants us to lay our hands upon the sick 
And the Bible says that uh, lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. And then Mark 16 says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So God wants to use your hands. And sometimes the reason why we're not seeing the power of God is because we're not laying our hands on people. And we're not praying for people. Uh, but if you start laying your hands on people and let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you, you will start to see the power and the presence of God. And this brings us to now the fifth of the six foundational truths, doctrine, principles that are in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, which is resurrection. Now, we must understand that resurrection is the cornerstone of what we believe. It's the apex of what we believe. Without the resurrection, we have no faith. But with the resurrection, it makes our faith strong and it makes our faith in God powerful. So I want to first look in um, the book of 1 Corinthians 15 and 20. And it says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that sleep. Now this is talking about Jesus's resurrection and that Jesus is the first fruit. He's the first one to be resurrected. We have in scripture nine instances of people being raised from the dead. There's three in the Old Testament, three in the New Testament, and three after Jesus's death. Of these nine people that were raised from the dead, the thing about them is that they had to experience death again. But with Jesus, with resurrection, he didn't experience death again. Jesus is alive and well. Let's look in the Old Testament and look at these instances of the three that were raised from the dead. And I'm going to go kind of quickly. I'm not going to read, but I'll, I'll give you the scripture references and you can go back and read them uh, later at your leisure. In 1 Kings 17, 17 and through 24 is the widow of Zarephath, her son, where the prophet laid upon the boy and he prayed three times and life was restored unto this boy. The Shunammite woman, son in 2 Kings 4, 18 through 37, where the prophet went and he laid upon the child. He put his eyes to his eyes, his mouth to his mouth, his hands to his hand, and he prayed and life was restored back into the life of this child. Then the third instance in the Old Testament is when there was a man that was thrown on the grave of Elisha's bones in 2 Kings 13, 20 and 21, when he was, uh, his body was thrown upon the bones of Elisha, and this man was raised from the dead. When he hit Elijah's bones, he was raised from the dead. Now, in um, the New Testament, we have three instances where uh, people were raised from the dead, and of these three instances, they were all done in the ministry of Jesus. The first one we have is the widow of Nan, her son, in Luke 7, 11 through 19. Jesus uh, and his disciples, they were walking, and as they were walking, they came upon a funeral processional, and uh, the, the woman, her only child, her only son, her husband was already deceased, her son was dead, they were taking him right, you know, he was, he was, his body was right there, and Jesus uh, laid hands on him, and life was restored unto this young man. Uh, this one you're probably more familiar with, Jairus' daughter. This is the story of that in the, the woman with the issue of blood, excuse me, interrupted uh, Jesus as he was going 
to go to this young lady. He, was, he encountered the woman with the issue of blood, this little 12-year-old girl that uh, they came and got Jesus and said, you know, she's, she, she's, she was dying. And in the meantime, as Jesus' minister was going to go, you know, the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment. And before he got to the little girl, the little girl, she died. And, you know, Jesus went in and he got rid of the people that, you know, was didn't have no faith and was crying. And he said, she's not dead. She's asleep. And he um, prayed for her. And the little girl, life was restored back until the little girl told her to get her something to eat and all that great stuff like that. Luke 8, 52 through 56 is where you'll find this reference. And they're probably the most familiar of, resur- of people being raised from the dead that we are aware of is that of Lazarus. And you see that in John 11, where uh, Lazarus was raised from the dead, and uh, this was done under Jesus' ministry. Now, after Jesus' death, there are three instances of people being raised from the dead. Um, after Jesus died in Matthew 27, 50 through 30, there's a reference there of someone being raised from the dead after Jesus' death. Uh, Dorcas, or Tabitha, they also called her. She was raised from the dead by Peter. Um, and I believe that's in Acts 9, 36 through 43. Kind of reminds me of the scripture in John 14, 12, that, where Jesus said that, And these works shall you do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. And so we see the instance of Dorcas or Tabitha, uh, being raised from the dead. And then Eutychus uh, by Paul in the book of Acts 27, tw- in Acts chapter 20, verse 7 through 12. And Eutychus, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but he was sitting in a window and he was listening to Paul teach. And Paul was teaching for several hours. And this young man, while sitting in the window, he fell, like fell, dozed off and fell asleep and fell backwards, hit the ground. Paul went out, prayed for him. He <laughs> raised him from the dead and um he he was he was well so all of these individuals they were raised from the dead they have all that in common but jesus was the only one that has been resurrected all right so jesus was resurrected he wasn't just raised from the dead and with resurrection you don't experience death again but jesus is alive forevermore now jesus's resurrection it was verified by eyewitnesses. There were people that saw the resurrection. First uh, Corinthians uh, 15, 3 and 4 says that for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So resurrection makes our faith living. Okay. Resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith. It was is what distinguishes Jesus from any other was that he is raised from the dead. He is resurrection. Okay, there is uh, 10 times where he appeared to different people. Now, there perhaps could be more. Um, there probably were more appearances, but there are 10 times that we see in Scripture that he appeared to different people at different times. He appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to the other women. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to the two disciples. He appeared to the 10 disciples. He appeared to 11 disciples. He appeared to 70 disciples. He appeared to James. He appeared to the 11 at his ascension. He appeared to 500 at one time. Okay. Now, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 6 that 
after that he had been seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. So the writer is telling us that some of those 500 people that were included and saw the resurrection, they were still alive at this time. Some of them had already died, but some of them were alive. So the historians that went and talked, they actually talked to the individuals that were there, that experienced uh, seeing Jesus. So not one person, not one person that saw Jesus after his uh, after he had, had risen from the dead. None of them that saw him recanted on what they saw. They took it to the to the death of even at the point of being martyred. They did not deny that they saw Jesus. Okay, now this is kind of meaty what we're getting ready to get into, but it's very 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 important. And I've got my notes right in front of me because I want to make sure that I, I I don't forget anything to say in this, but. There are two resurrections that will happen in the future. And the Bible says that, um, it says in John 5 and 29, it says, and, and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life. So this means people that are righteous or that are saved. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation or some translations say of damnation. This is for the unsaved and the unrighteous. Okay, so when will these resurrections take place? There's 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 two separate, but the first one has a two-part. Okay, so for the righteous and the saved, this will happen simultaneously with the rapture of the church. And let me give you the proof of this. Paul writes in First Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18, and I'm going to read this in its entirety. It says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And here it is. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So this is the hope that we have. That when we, when we know of someone that, that passes away that's in Christ, we know that there is going to be a resurrection of their body at the rapture. And if we're still here, if we still remain, that we know that we're going to all be caught up together to meet the Lord for the saved, for the righteous, okay? And that we're to comfort one another that even though they may have left this life and they're gone, we shall see them again. Now, the other scripture references are once again by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53. He said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Paul says again in Philippians 3, 20 through 21, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we are eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. So we all going to be getting a new body. 
And it's going to be like how Jesus' glorified body was. We see example of how Jesus' glorified body was. That according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So there is going to be a rapture. I mean, there's going to be a resurrection of the saved, of the righteous that will happen simultaneously with the rapture. The second part of this rapture is... I mean, this resurrection, I I may keep changing those words, so forgive me if I do. The martyrs during the tribulation, this will take place at the end of the tribulation. It talks about this in in Revelation 20, 4 and 5. It says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on his foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So, there's going to be a resurrection of the righteous, the saved, simultaneously with the rapture. We'll all be caught up together. you still alive when the rapture takes place. You're going to be caught up. If, you, if people, if you're deceased, then your, your body's going to be caught up. To meet Jesus in the air. And then the second one is for the martyrs during the tribulation. Okay. Now, the second part of uh, John 5, 29, where it says, And those who have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. Okay. Now, this is the resurrection of the unrighteous and the unsaved. And this will happen at the millennial, at the end of the millennial reign. Revelation 20. 12 through 15 talks about this, okay? And then these folks, when, when they're resurrected, the unsaved, the unrighteous, then these folks, they will have to go before the great white throne of judgment. Christians will not have to go before the great white throne judgment. People that are not saved will have to go before this great white throne judgment. We'll talk about that in the next um, doctrine. In the next, we'll talk about eternal judgment. We'll talk about that later. But... In Revelation 20, 12 through 15, it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. There's books in heaven, okay? And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works. So we all will have to stand before God according to our works, according to what we've done. Everything that we do, we'll have to give an account for by the things which are written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to their works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible turn of events, a terrible thing that will take place. But if you're in Christ, you don't even have to worry about that. Okay, so the question that you must ask yourself is that, you know, if Jesus tarries and you die of natural causes or you die and and, and leave this earth, what's what's beyond your funeral? Now, if you're in Christ, you have nothing to worry about because you see that there's going to be another, there'll be a resurrection. The dead in Christ will rise when the church is, is raptured. But if you're not in Christ... It, the, the the future is going to be pretty bad. It's going to be terrible for you. So you want to make sure that you are in Christ so that you will experience being with the Lord. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, he took our shame, 
He took our sickness. He took our disease. He took everything that was supposed to be for us. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said that I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants us to live the abundant life. Jesus also went to hell and he experienced separation from God, but he got back the keys of the kingdom and has now placed them in our hands. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 18 through 20, for Christ also suffered once for sins and just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. So Jesus went to hell, got the keys, and bestowed the authority back on us. This brings us to what the meaning of this word resurrection is. And listen to me very carefully because it's the Greek word anastasis. And it's very powerful because it means a standing, a rising, a rising from the dead or resurrection. It's the same word that's in John eleven twenty five, 25, where it says that I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Then he asks a powerful question. Do you believe this? See, this is what determines whether or not where you are in Christ is if you believe in the resurrection. Because a lot of people believe in God, but when it comes to Jesus and the resurrection, that's where you lose some people. But it's the resurrection. So what Jesus is saying about this anastasis power is that I am stand-up power. That if you've been knocked down by life, or your situation has knocked you down, or even if things are dead, your marriage may be dead. Your things in your physical body may seem like they're just all out of whack and it's knocked you down. Your finances may be knocked down or they may just be dead. Your career may be dead. Whatever it may be that Jesus is saying, I have the power to put you on your feet again. The resurrection power is the power to put you back on your feet Again, I dare somebody to just thank God for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And no matter where you are in your life, you may need to just begin to open up your mouth and say, Lord God, I thank you right now for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and that you have the power to put me back on my feet again. You have the power to put me back where I need to be, to put me back. That stand up power. Let it rise up on the inside of you right now. The anastasis power or the resurrection power of Jesus. That power has been activated and that power is here right now. And if you're in Christ, that power is in you. The Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is on the inside of you. The only thing that I ask is, do you believe this? So if you believe this, begin to just speak to your situation. Begin to speak to your finances and thank God that he's a God of overflow, that he's a God of multiplication. Begin to speak to your marriage. It may be dead. Just begin to speak life until your marriage and tell Satan he cannot have your husband. He cannot have your wife. He cannot have your children. The stand-up power of God is available to us. It's available to his children. 
It's available to his people. And it's so, so very important that we know and that we understand and we remember that no matter what we face, that no matter what we go through, yeah, I may be knocked out, but I'm going to stand up again. I'm going to rise again because Christ rose. And because he rose, that means I'm going to rise. And we have something to look forward to if we're in Christ. And if Jesus tarries, and if we die and leave this earth, that we know that we will be resurrected again. And just as the scripture says, it makes me just want to shout that the trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, those that remain, we will be caught up to meet him and that we will live with him forevermore. That's great news. And it's one of our foundations. It's one of our doctrines that we must know and that we must share with others. God is so good. God is so awesome. And I just thank him that he made a better plan. The greatest power that has ever been displayed on the face of this earth to this day, throughout any other age, time, is the resurrection power of Jesus. The resurrection power. God, God used the greatest power. And that same power is on the inside of you. So think about that as you go through your day, as you go through your week, that the resurrection power is on the inside of me. I don't have to take this. I don't have to. I, I, I have the resurrection power of God on the inside of me. So let us conclude and let us just pray. Lord, we thank you today. Lord, I thank you for the resurrection power of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us stand-up power. And for those that may be listening, they may have been knocked down in life by situations and circumstances, Lord God. But I thank you that you cause them to rise again. That you cause them to stand up, to stand up in their physical body, to stand up, Lord God, in whatever situation they may need that marriages, Father God, will become alive again. Breathe upon the hearts and the minds of those, Lord God, that need you right now. Breathe upon the finances of those that are in lack. Breathe, Father God, upon families and situations, Lord God. Breathe right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you and we praise you and we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. We got one more to do and I'll be bringing that to you next week where we're going to be talking about eternal judgment remember the bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god god bless you thank you for listening to revelations from the heart podcast if you enjoyed this episode be sure to share it with someone in your life share this podcast on your social media networks i'd love for you to connect with me on facebook on instagram on twitter and you can find the links to all my pages at my website at www.paulacornet.weebly that's w-e-e-b-l-y.com god bless you and hope you will take time to listen again soon